0: down to the last comic shop in five, four,
1: three, two, one.
2: Hey, hey, live. We're always live, but we're all in person in a sewer somewhere to talk about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Wow. We'll be remiss that we do not have pizza. Oh, <laughs> but what we do have... Is the host
0: with the most, Andy Larson. Welcome back to The Last Comic Shop. I'm joined by Chad Smith and J.A. Scott, as always. But you are right. We are talking all about Ninja Turtles. Turtle in honor of the new movie, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, which just dropped last week. And as always on The Last Comic Shop, we like to pair that movie that folks are probably going out and seeing right now
2: uh, with a comic book. And since we already did the last Ronin, that's right. We unfortunately had to pick something else. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> no. the
3: sequel isn't done yet, so yeah, we had to go a different direction. Wouldn't we go with, like, the last Ronin, like, a
0: video game? Isn't there a video game coming out? It is, from the God of War people. Yeah! It was to be real good. Yeah, but we didn't do that either. No, no, we did not. There are a lot of really
3: good Teenage
0: Mutant Turtle
2: video we, games. We could have also done, like, like, the original.
3: If you haven't seen the toys that made us, Uh, The Ninja Turtle episode, you definitely got to go watch that. I think I talked about that with the
2: last Ronin. Yeah, you've done that.
3: But what, what did we do, Chad? So we chose to review. The first volume of Saturday Morning Adventures, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, and who did this book, Chad? So it was written by Eric Burnham, with art by Tim Lottie, colors by Sarah Meyer, and letters by Sean Lee. And this was a four-issue miniseries that came out uh, in 2022,
2: uh, so just last year. And if you recognize some of those names, it's because we did a similar book by Eric Burnham, G.I. Joe Saturday morning. Yes. So it's, it's sort of a similar premise, but Andrew. Tell us what the premise is, and what did we cover in these four issues? Well, the Tencent
0: Synopsis is simply put, this is seems to be like four issues of the typical either weekday or Saturday morning adventures of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from the late 80s, early 90s. The, the television show. Right. The cartoon, which, I mean, again, catapulted them to worldwide fame. I don't think... Honestly, we would have gotten Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie or video games or anything if it had not been for that cartoon series.
2: It took off like gangbusters. Now, Chad, uh, going back to that Toys That Made Us, was it the cartoon that made the toy or was it the toy and then the cartoon? So <clears throat> it turns out Eastman and Laird had their very successful comic book, but it was too violent.
3: And so as they were shopping into different companies, Playmate Toys decided they would take a bite, but they insisted that there was an animated cartoon to go along with it. So the cartoon actually was produced and released first in 1987, whereas the toys uh, didn't come out until 1988 and then flew off the shelves.
0: Yeah. From that
2: point forward.
0: And that is true. I mean, that first five-part miniseries that was released for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon series, it was very well done. And I remember having it on a VHS and it wasn't until later on that, as we'll get to in this review things kind of started getting a little bit watered down in terms of plots and interest and and got further and further away from the teenage mutant Ninja turtles roots of a comic book
2: series. So, that being said, this comic book series that we reviewed is based on the cartoon that was produced to sell the toys. So, well, it's again, it's it's almost four
0: individual episodes. Unlike the uh GI Joe series that we uh, reviewed last Christmas. I mean, there's no storyline that runs through all four episodes. You really get just, again, this this first story about going into, like, some video game, and then another issue about uh, a rock warrior from Dimension X coming to Earth and learning the true wonders of rock music, and how that's wonderful. I- then there's a horrible, horrible issue about Casey Jones And maybe I'm showing what I thought of this series overall, but I. And the fourth one is about a bunch of like nanobite mousers that infect Splinter's bloodstream and they have to do like
3: the fantastic voyage. Oh, I was thinking Ant Man and the Vision. That too.
2: I was thinking Inner Space.
3: That too. Long story short, though, I mean, it's just four
0: individual stories that you could have got, again, on a VHS tape and had nothing to do with each other other than the fact that the Teenage Mutant Turtles are in there. Shredder shows up once in a while. You got Bebop, Rocksteady. You got Mousers. You got Splinter. You got April O'Neil. You got the folks that work at Channel 6. Shrugs?
2: So let me give you my initial thoughts, and then I will throw it to the both of you, because I was reading this when I was flying across the Pacific, so I did not have a lot of time with it, and I have to say I was underwhelmed. Unlike the G.I. Joe one, as you said, there wasn't an overarching story. It felt like I read one I read the other. Nothing really grabbed me, but the thing that took me out of it the most, this is meant to be based on the television show, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Saturday morning cartoon, but the art didn't mimic... The cartoon art, it was almost there, but it was like a bad facsimile. And that, for me, really drew me out of trying to build that sort of reality warp to get me into uh, reading a comic book about a cartoon. Because it definitely wasn't the Eastman and Laird comic book Turtles. This was the cartoon Turtles, except not quite. It was like cartoon Turtles light. And then it was just like, why do I care? So I had really issues with that. I was going to say,
3: too, as a, a longtime G.I. Joe fan, there are very distinct differences between Larry Hama's G.I. Joe comic book that originally came out from Marvel, which will be coming out again soon through Skybound, and the uh, animated G.I. Joe cartoon. And so last year, when IDW started the Saturday Morning Adventures with G.I. Joe, they really leaned into what made the cartoon great. And as as we alluded to, the art style was you know they looked like screen grabs from the cartoon. It was so spot on accurate. Now for me, I, I I'm admitting my bias there because I was a GI Joe guy. I love that cartoon. For me, and the the Ninja Turtles, honestly, as the Ninja Turtles were becoming more and more popular in the late eighties into the early nineties, I watched the cartoon, but I never got into the toys as much. You know and I had read a handful of the issues of the comic, but they were dark and they were black and white and they didn't appeal to me as much, so I, I wasn't as invested with this franchise going in. But especially coming off of the heels of that G.I. Joe series, where like it felt like the G.I. Joe cartoon, this one felt like a comic book about the cartoon. And I, I remember back in, in the heyday of the Ninja Turtles, Archie put out a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series. And I know they would take big swings with that one. They turned Raphael, they put him in like an all-black suit for, you know, a series of issues. It's a little bit remiss I didn't have access to my my old collection to see if this matched up more with some of those issues, but it definitely did not match up with what I was used to out of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cartoon. Well, I'm going to say
0: this point blank. The biggest problem for me with this particular book, unlike the G.I. Joe book, is I actually have fond memories. Of the GI Joe, in my brain, it's it's come all the way around, right? Like there was a point when I loved it as a kid. I grew out of the GI Joe co- cartoon, and, and in my teenage years, but then eventually, I came to acknowledge the great work that it was done. I mean, the Sunbow animation was wonderful. It's like that to Transformers series. Like those are really good series. Which is which I feel, yeah, they're a little bit rough around the edges but there's really good episodes there like uh the the one episode where shipwreck goes to that one place and cobra gives them a, like, a wife and a daughter or something and like they end up being like these clones that end up melting long story short like there's some episodes of the gi joe cartoon series that are good even as an adult the teenage Mutant ninja turtles cartoon series at least the one that was released in the late 80s early 90s i gotta say Is awful! It's It's, from my personal perspective, I don't think it's very good. I think it's campy, but campy in a bad way. Like, there are better Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cartoons out there, especially in the years since. My favorite one is the one that they released in the early 2000s, that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles! Go Turtles! I watched that, and it's because they pulled a lot more from the comic books. Raphael is, like, aggressive in there. All the turtles have the right personalities. Oh, just they tell you the personalities right in the beginning. Raphael's cool but rude. Uh, Give me a break. Come on, now. Michelangelo, he's a party dude. Heroes in a half show. You You got a cartoon series that wasn't very good, that I'm not a big fan of, and then I'm reading issues by issue three, which I said, Casey Jones, one of my favorite characters from the Eastman and Laird comic book series. He's done dirty in those cartoons. He never gets to take off his mask. He's not a real character. He has no relationship with April O'Neil. And in issue three of this series, they just decide to continue to do
3: that, which pissed me off to no end. That's the point of doing the Saturday Morning Adventures. It is based on the cartoon. That's like trying to get uh, you know, G.I. Joe comic book uh, snake eyes versus GI Joe cartoon, say guys. One dances with the wolf in the snow. Okay, and you know, it has himself a radioactive time. All All right. The other one is super mega ninja. Yeah. All right. Well, I so, so I
2: I don't want to judge it just based on the fact that I didn't like it because maybe I didn't like the cartoon. The only thing I can do is compare it to what we read previously with G.I. Joe, where G.I. Joe had an overarching plot across the four issues, this did not. I think some of the the decisions they made on how they presented the stories work in, in the GI Joe run, did not work in the Turtle run. That being said, let's move on, because we could all just sit and bash the fact that we obviously all did not really appreciate uh this this outing.
3: <clears throat> let me let me jump in here and posit an idea. Because one of the things about G.I. Joe in that book is it was such a great nostalgia trip for those of us that loved G.I. Joe back in the day. And I feel like we're talking more about the G.I. Joe book than the Ninja Turtles. But I wonder if this book didn't go the opposite route. And instead of trying to appeal to 30 or 40-somethings or above, I wonder if you gave this book to an 8-year-old. If they would really appreciate the humor behind it. Because there are fun moments here. You do get the 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 sense of who the characters are. Is it a little bit you've I've used the word juvenile before, but I, I feel like this is genuinely aimed at a kid audience. This reminds me of those Archie books. It just didn't seem to match the what we perceived as the quality level of the G.I. Joe book. But I, I'd be willing to bet if you gave this to a kid, they would appreciate it when the turtle stop and look at the camera and break the fourth wall.
0: <laughs>
2: That's a good question because I wonder. Obviously, looking back at the cartoon, I am used to watching live action, movement, animation, and at times the comic book felt a bit static, for a lack of a better term, right? I guess I, for me, my my
3: suspicion is that they didn't steer into some of the things that made the turtles cartoon great, like the the bad guys in here. You don't get a lot of Bebop and Rocksteady. You get barely enough, you know, crying. I need more crying. I need more him berating Shredder and that back and forth between them. And, you know, the characters playing off of one another. I thought the Ninja Turtles, they they do an okay job with the Ninja Turtles and their interactions. Like that felt true to the cartoon. But I felt like all the bad guys got short shrift in here.
2: Right, because the bad guys in the cartoon were just so out of left field. Right. And every week, because they were Primarily trying to sell toys. Every week you've got this new and interesting and different and colorful bad guy because there is a new and interesting and different colorful piece of plastic going up on the shelf. Well,
0: you know, you you, you make some points and maybe I was a little bit harsh on this. Just because I, I did watch the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon show for several years. And I don't know why the I never came back around to it, or or it, it struck me again, but I was hoping that this series would do that. And to be honest, I found myself kind of bored. It seemed like a lot of the stories were somewhat repetitive. Like, if you look at issue one, where they go into, like, you know, virtual reality video game thing, and then you look at issue four, them going into Splinter's body, it's kind of the same plot, there's not really a lot of difference there. And then, again, to the Casey Jones issue, they spent a whole issue with Casey Jones, which I get it. He's very important to the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles overall uh, mythology. And maybe they didn't spend a lot of time with him in the actual cartoon series. But, like, he wasn't very interesting in that book. At least I didn't think he was. And then they spent a whole other issue on a rock monster that you didn't really... I, I don't it was, know. Who's a
2: non-character.
3: right. Where's Baxter Stockman? Where's those characters? Where's right Leatherhead? And two, I, I I I can't emphasize the art style. Like the turtles, I feel like look like their animated counterparts, but so many of the other characters. Just
2: April O'Neil for me did not. No, she was off. Yeah, her and, facial and expressions were were not. If there. you're trying to channel that cartoon, you almost need to really mimic that. I thought it was. It just felt not quite as well executed as. The G.I. Joe one.
0: Well, one question I had for both of you, and I mean, I again, I don't want to put this on anybody's doorstep if we end up giving this not the best rating, but like with books like uh, G.I. Joe, Saturday Morning Adventures, and with Ghostbusters, you're you're talking about actually two guys that were involved with those IDW properties that were extremely successful. One guy is missing. From this equation, right? You have the writer in Burnham. In but air, yeah, but where's he wrote G.I. Joe solo well though? No, oh, he the Dan Schoenig was on that book. Was he? Yes. Okay. So you have so you don't have Dan Schoenig. That is that the problem? Like we talk about it all the time about how sometimes artists don't get enough creative credit for what they bring to the table in terms of their ideas. Is the fact that you don't have that particular team again not to say that the art's bad here but like maybe uh, Dan Shonig was really what we're missing here guys is there any other comic books you can think of where they like you had the writer but you didn't have the artist and all of a sudden it just didn't it didn't add up
2: well, I think there there's plenty of them I, mean, I think you know and and that's that's comics the industry in general it tends to go between you know really strong artists with a lot of creative control, look at image in the nineties to really strong writers with creative control. And the artists are just having to sort of follow along. And when you capture lightning and bottle, it's when the artist and the writer have come together and, and worked together to make something great. You know, you look at what Brian K. Vaughan and Fiona Staples have done with saga. That is an artist and a writer in perfect sync making, you know, beautiful art and, and, so i think this is just an example of you've got strong writers and the artists maybe don't have enough pushback and they're just following along and, and they they struck gold with gi joe and so they look at other properties that they can do and i think it's an admirable effort but it just fell a bit short for me
0: right, well let's go ahead and get to our ratings for teenage mutant ninja turtles the saturday morning adventures this four part and he said what is our uh What's our rating scale today? Oh, this one's easy. It's Heroes and a Half Show. All right, so power! one out of four Heroes and a Half Show. We'll start off with Chad. Chad, what do you think of this?
3: So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a two point two five. I don't think this one was as successful as we've said to this point. I do think, uh, especially with this new movie coming out, if Turtle Power were to reignite again, Turtle Mania takes over the country, and you have a younger audience and you want to get them into the Turtles, I, I think this would be a good place to to point them to. Is this is a little bit more accessible to that audience that would have reached for those Archie comics back in the day. But I don't think this succeeds in pulling double duty and being good for adults and for kids. I think this one is just primarily aimed at those kiddos. And I'll, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit sad. This, is, this series has gotten a sequel, so it obviously must have sold well. Yeah. As opposed to IDW lost the G.I. Joe license. I would or much rather had another G.I. Joe series. I could have I read that as an ongoing book, that old G.I. Joe cartoon. Mm. You know, reimagined.
2: All right, J.A.? Well, I'm going to give it a two. Um, I would rather have new Turtle fans coming off the movie read a little bit something more modern, slightly more edgy, better written. I would give this to somebody who's like, oh, Dad, I know you used to read turtle and you watched teenage mutant ninja turtles when you were growing up what was that like and i would give this to them but i wouldn't want to give this book as a first initiation into the turtle universe i think it would be doing a disservice to the property and 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 and, and a disservice to the comic itself i think it, it there's a place for it but it's not in the top tier of turtle comics all right well
0: I'm going to be the most negative, as you might have guessed from my previous comments. I'm giving this a 1.5. I really thought this was below average, and it was a horrible slog to get through some of these issues. All the credit in the world to that creative team, especially to Eric Burnham. Uh, I mean, he can write really, really great comics based on these licensed properties. And yeah, maybe I was, you know, slamming, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon series from the same time, and maybe that played a lot into why I didn't enjoy it. But honestly, I feel like we've moved on beyond this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series. G.I. Joe, I don't know if there's been as good of a G.I. Joe cartoon series as that Sunbow one. G.I. Joe Resolute was pretty awesome.
3: Yeah, but that didn't last
0: very long this one, one movie. Right, exactly. But if you want like an entire series, those two seasons of the Sunbow cartoon are still pretty good. And so that's very strong in terms of being able to pull you back. This, I, I just commented. If you want to watch a good Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon, watch the 2000 run. That is a really, really good one that really holds up well, even you know, 20 years after it's been released. I would have rather seen a Saturday morning adventures based on that cartoon versus the one from the 1980s, which I feel like The Shine has completely...
3: Yeah, but you know what? They made those comics. You can always go out and find those comics.
0: That's true. That's true any case, one thing that we're hoping that you can find is some of our recommendations, and that will be right after these commercial breaks. So stay tuned for that, as well as our movie review of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, right up after this.
1: Hello, friends. Do you like the 80s and Transformers? We are the Autopod Decepticast, and we started our podcast doing a minute-by-minute breakdown of the 1986 classic animated feature, Transformers the Movie. We've since moved on to an episode-by-episode review of the G1 series and just started Season 3. We have over 180 episodes, so if you're just discovering our show, there's plenty of gold to stuff into your ears. And it is very funny and fantastic. I'm not biased... We are on every podcast aggregator you could possibly stomach. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and our web presence is Autopod Decepticast.com. We are at APODCast on Twitter and all of the things. Autopod Decepticast friends for all your animated transformer needs. Hi, I'm Kevin DeCristofano. And
0: I'm Sean Flanagan. And we are the Ninja Turtle Nerds, your weekly podcast covering the Ninja Turtle comic book series one issue at a time. Plus the video games, the cartoon show, the VHS tapes. If it's Ninja Turtles, we'll cover it. Ninja Turtle Nerds is available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for recommendations. Yes, that time of every single show where we give you other comic books that you can pick up at your local comic book shop, in addition to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Saturday Morning Adventures, if you are so inclined. uh, There's also some other great Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle books out there as well. Maybe those will be some recommendations. I don't know. I, I haven't talked to the guys.
2: What do you say, J.A.? I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to recommend two books that we've already reviewed. Wow! One, because you can go back and listen to the review, because they're all evergreen. Evergreen. And two, because I've read them already, so... (laughs) It's an easy one. I'm going to recommend both the G.I. Joe Saturday Morning Cartoon Series that uh, we've talked about at length on this show, uh, because it is this concept done properly I feel and and much better but also for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fans the last Ronin which that one appeals to anyone who maybe has read the original Eastman and Laird run or someone who is interested in what Eastman and Laird did originally so that is what I am so would
0: you would you say that folks coming out of mutant mayhem May want to go and get Last Ronin, or do you think that's too, too above their, you know? No, I think, I think it would fit well. Okay. Sounds good. My uh, recommendation this week is actually another licensed property that we've often, often talked about on the last comic shop, and that is Star Wars. And there's a fantastic, book out there that you can get in trade right now, called Star Wars Vader Dark Visions. And this is actually similar to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, in which it was a collection of different stories all about the Dark Lord of the Sith, you know, one of the most famous and iconic villains in all of fiction at this point, Darth Vader. And some of the stories that they tell in this particular collection are really
2: imaginative.
0: All of them are written by Dennis Hopeless Hallam, artists such as Pablo Viella, uh, Brian Level, Daniel Lopez, Javier Pina. So, I mean, it just it runs the gambit. But these are just amazingly creative stories. Uh, there's one story where basically Darth Vader crash lands on a planet and has to fight a kaiju, which is awesome. He does that on horseback? with his lightsaber and he becomes like a local legend they're like everybody talks about the day that the black knight fell from the sky and killed the dragon super cool stuff there's another story about imperial commander that is so scared of what darth vader might do to him if he fails in like capturing this rebel squadron He flies a Star Destroyer through one of those giant space slugs' faces, and still he fails. But my favorite issue of all time is a simple story about this young med tech that's working on one of the Star Destroyers who falls helplessly in love with Darth Vader and has, like, romantic visions of the dark lord like things out of like those harlequin romance novels where on beaches and oh take off your mask i don't care about what you look like oh no one will come between us <laughs> and just let me tell you the end of that story picture perfect I can't recommend this series enough. As part of my summer series of books you should read at the pool or here at the summertime, it's one of the best. Everything's light, everything's
3: wonderful. Darth Vader, Dark Visions, check it out. Okay, and for my recommendation, I'm going to stick with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Ben, but I'm going to go uh, back to 2015-2016 when they put out uh, James Tinian and Freddie Williams' work together on a Batman-Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover miniseries. Uh, The first miniseries ran for six issues, and it was one of those things that captured the essence of what made both properties great and managed to elevate them at the same time. They actually ended up making an animated movie, which is also really fun, but I don't think it reaches the heights of the comic book. And so there was also a follow-up sequel, I want to say, that came out around 2018. But if you you want a Ninja Turtle fix after watching this movie, I definitely would recommend the Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover mini series. Like I said, the, they, they capture the enthusiasm and the whole teenage aspect of the Ninja Turtles, and they cross that over with the Damian Wayne and Batman and all the fun that's to be had there. The, the Turtles are in the Batcave. There's all sorts of fun. But yeah, that's the the code or that's the main word to play for these is just it's fun. It'll make you re- remind you of all the things you loved about both the Batman the animated series and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cartoon while still telling a story that's new and fresh. Uh so get the books, uh watch the movie, read the books again. Uh you'll love them all.
0: Yeah. I, I actually won an exclusive variant cover of the first issue of that run because I answered a lot of questions right at a Comic book trivia night at a local Ooh. board. <laughs> Congrats to you on that one. I know, right? That was one of my door prizes for winning. This was like so. Long story short, I'm kudos to you on that recommendation, and kudos to everybody that checks out the last comic shop every single week. Make sure that you're doing that by rate reviewing and subscribing over at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. I think we only have one more movie review the rest of the summer. I think Blue Beetle's coming up for in a couple summer, of weeks.
2: But not for the rest of the year because they keep putting these things out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm a grumpy old man. That's true. Get off You're my lawn, right. you kids. I'm- we only have a couple more, right? The Marvels movie that comes out in November, I think there's an Aquaman movie that comes out in December. You know, we're also going to be covering One Piece in a couple weeks, and that's got a uh, live action uh, a show coming out on Netflix
2: just at the end of August. So make sure that you're sticking around for all of that great stuff. You know what we never covered? Maybe we should do it next year for Movie Mayhem, Unbreakable. There was no comic book going along with that, right?
3: <laughs> and it was stupid. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I'm not a fan of most M. Night Shyamalamas. <laughs> it makes sense. But in any case, what are you a fan of? I am a fan of local comic shops. We always encourage you guys to support your local comic shop. There's that comic shop locator out there at www.comicshoplocator.com, where you can find a place near you to pick up some of the books we recommended today. Uh, while we weren't as crazy about the Saturday Morning Adventures, maybe the next volume uh, is, is going to be better. <laughs> Or you could find things like The Last Ronin, or uh, Batman and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Find Vader, Dark Visions, get your Star Wars on. Oh yeah, I do Saturday Morning Adventures, which may or may not be harder to find now that IDW doesn't have that license. But make sure you head out to your local comic shops, and then once you're done, you can always go back to our home base.
2: At www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com, where they can find what JA. Well, we've got links to all our social media, links to our merch store. We have t-shirts, uh, coffee mugs, tote bags, which you can use to carry your finds from local comic book shops. And let me tell you, just today, went to a local comic book shop with the host with the most, picked up an issue of um, Demon Bear. It was in the buck bin. It was quite a buck bin. Fine, but it's really nice to just go pouring through the back issue sometimes. So so have a look. Spend some time at your local comic book shop. You never know what you might find. That's it. That's
3: how I uh, relieve stress, is I'll flip through the the buck bins, and uh, if this year's any indication, I've had a lot of stress. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, don't forget to check us out on the socials, uh, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. We're at Last Comic Shop.
0: Right. And make sure that you're sticking around right after these great words from Mikey Wood. Uh, we're gonna be back with the the movie review of the Teenage Mutant Turtles and the Mutant Mayhem. Until then, I'm the host with the most Andy Larson I was joined by Chad Smith and Jay Scott, and we will be right back Get the party hand up! Can we do it? Yes we can.
1: Hey, it's Mikey Wood, frequent Last Comic Shop guest and collector. And as a collector, I'm always in need of boards, bags, long boxes, and more to house all those comics. That's why I use promo code LCSPOD to get 10% off my orders at bcwsupplies.com. Not only does it get me a discount on BCW's already low prices, but I know using LCSPOD at checkout is another way I can show my support to the Last Comic Shop podcast and their continuing mission to bring fans together under that big comic book tent. So if you're in need of comic book supplies, Head out to bcwsupplies.com and use promo code LCSPOD today. That's L-C-S-P-O-D. So remember, if you have comic books and you want to put them into boxes and bags, <laughs> wait a second, hold on, where did you come from? I, I was, you weren't I was, in the previous segments. I was good the, friend, Mikey Wood. I was, hey, I was in the back recording a commercial that you've played before. <laughs> it was like I appreciate the,
3: the live read every time, Mikey. That's yeah. right.
1: Uh No, you know what? I only do one show a night, man. I only do one. And if you missed it, you missed it. <laughs> you missed it. That, that, that's it. Go back and rewind. It's a it's a podcast. You can move the little thing back. Go ahead, move the thing back, and I'll I'll wait for you. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. One welcome one we're back. We're not going to wait no. too
0: long for is our movie review of yes. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: yeah. The Mutant Mayhem. Yeah. Or just Mutant Mayhem. I guess the isn't in there. No, I mean, uh, if you're wondering where J. A. is, this movie unfortunately did not come out where he lives yet. I don't. Long story short, he's not on the rest of this show. So we are joined by Mikey Wood, and he yeah. is going to kick off this movie review with giving us the the credits list for this particular movie because it was star studded.
1: It for an anime was show. yes, it was directed by uh, a gentleman by the name of Jeff Rowe, who uh, was the co writer and co director of The Mitchells Versus the Machines, which is also awesome. I love um, that one. And he was a writer for Gravity Falls and Disenchantment. Gravity Falls, which is great, Disenchantment, I couldn't get into. But uh, it was (laughs) – the screenplay is by uh, some guy named Seth Rogen uh, and Evan Goldberg, Jeff Rowe, Dan Hernandez, Benji Samet from a story by Brendan O'Brien and Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg and Jeff Rowe. Um, Of course, based on characters created by Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman. It stars uh, Micah Abbey, Shaman Brown Jr., Hannibal Buress, Rose Byrne, other people like John Cena, Jackie Chan as Splinter, uh, Ice Cube as the, the, the villain, Giancarlo Esposito plays Baxter Stockman, Post Malone does a voice somewhere, Paul Rudd, Maya Rudolph, like so many people, and the one of the best things about it is that the music, the soundtrack is phenomenal, filled with great <laughs> hip hop, wonderful, wonderful stuff. But the score is by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Oh. Yeah, man. And it's real good. This movie is real good. And it's from Nickelodeon movies and Point Gary Pictures and Paramount. So, well, there yeah, you go. Did you see the, the shout-out to Star Trek and the
0: Paramounts? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is the best Chris. <laughs> stand-up of Chris Pine, is, is Kirk. It was good stuff. In any yeah. case, uh, 10 Cent
3: Synopsis, Chad. What happens in Mutant Mayhem? Was there a lot of mutants? Were there a lot of mayhem? Indeed. So Seth Rogen and company decided to make a teenage coming-of-age story starring everyone's favorite uh, mutant ninja turtles. And so, basically, you get the turtle origin a little bit, and then they fast-forward 15 years later to when they meet uh, Puke O'Neill, yeah! I mean, April O'Neill, <laughs> um, And she is trying to suss out a big-time crime syndicate that's going on. It's going to be her big story to give her a shot of redemption. And meanwhile, Leonardo, Raphael, Michelangelo, and Donatello are just like normal teens. They want to be a part of the world they want to be accepted by people they want all those normal teenage things and so they decide they're going to help april and in turn hopefully she can help them to to gain acceptance and then along the way they meet ice cube superfly and he has a whole crew that includes Rocksteady and bebop and uh ray fillet and mondo gecko and so you meet all these different characters then it turns out spoilers Super duper fly has an evil plan and then he turns into a giant monster and then they have to stop the monster and, uh, and there you go. And then the turtles come of age as part of that process.
0: Well, there you go. yeah. And I've always enjoyed animated adaptations of comic books. I've always preferred it to be honest, to live action, because like, I always feel like comic books to live action is like two steps away from the source material versus animation and comics which are kind of like cousins i'm i'm just gonna point like say it best two comic book related movies that came out in 2023 are the animated ones right i mean this and across the spider-verse and my question to you two guys is
3: plant your flag which one has the better animation style chad Oh, for me, it's it's a very easy answer. That's Across the Spider-Verse. I love the, the turtle movie style, though, and I think it was weird and it was gross, and that was a good thing. It fit everything you wanted out of the Ninja Turtles. They even have that scene where they, they bring in Ferris Bueller's Day off and they show that. And you're yeah. kind of juxtaposing that real-life movie versus everything else that's going on. But whereas I thought this was very good, I think Across the Spider-Verse is next-level stuff. Uh, right. The way it had all the different animation styles simultaneously, you know, those things adding to the character. Like, in here, everything was one consistent style, but uh, there, they just, they brought so many other things into the mix. I think it's hard to beat across the Spider-Verse.
1: All right. Well, Mikey? Yeah, that's... that's uh, across the Spider-Verse is... I was going to say I'd seen it all with the first one before, but that's not really true. Um, they did a lot of new stuff with it. I, I'd have to go, just for the sheer spectacle of it and the sheer variation of it, I'd have to go with that. But I like I like that they both have this sort of vibe to them where it, it almost looks, especially with Mutant Mayhem, it almost looks stop motion or claymation or something yes a Um, little bit because yeah because they, they they kind of what they do is they limit the frame rate is what is what is what does it and um it looks so cool and lush and 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 neat like what they're doing with cgi now is just I, it sucks because you know I'm glad that Leica like is still out there doing stop motion stuff because stop motion is is, is an incredible art form. But this it, it was a it was a pretty film. So
0: no, I I I think I'm actually going to give the edge slightly to Mutant Mayhem. Honestly, I, 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 not to say that Across the Spider Verse wasn't groundbreaking, but I, I will say this that this movie. Uh, not just because of the art, but the runtime Being like an hour shorter than Across the Spider-Verse and actually having a conclusion, if I was going to pick one or the other to watch again, I'd be more likely to watch Mutant Mayhem again because I have always loved claymation and stop animation, right? I was a huge Gumby fan growing up and that it really had this chunky style to it i know that like animation is supposed to feel like three-dimensional or whatever but this really felt like that these were mannequins or figurines or something that were being manually manipulated on the screen in addition to the animation which just i I just loved it and i think it to chad's point it fit what you wanted from the teenage mutant turtles where like there was like almost like a texture. Involved with the animation, it was it was a little off-putting. It was a little off-settling. Everything was kind of like d- d- dirty, but dirty in a good way. Like it's, it's about yeah. people that live in the sewers and watch cockroaches yeah, on herds. Yeah. Like it's supposed to be a little mm-hmm. bit dirty. And I will say this: the best thing about this movie is for the first time ever, and I I think you can both agree, mm-hmm. we got teenage mutant ninja turtles. Yeah, they sounded like kids they did yeah and for me boy as a dad you know there was like this one scene where they're talking about the bacon egg and cheese and the bacon egg and cheese and they're mm-hmm. just like laughing to each other yeah. and that's how my my son talks with his friends and like as a dad i was just like yeah wh- where has this been in like yeah. other teen- like the, all the rest now all the rest of the teenage mutant girl properties all of those teenage mutant girls they're not
1: they're 20 20 something yeah ninja yeah. turtles like they're, yeah, they're i mean they're so much older they they feel like 13 14 year old kids in this one whereas the, like i'd say this is for me this is my oh it's really close but i'm gonna say it's probably my second favorite ninja turtle i don't know it may be my favorite ninja turtles movie the original 1991 live action one is awfully good is like is is awfully good but they felt more like like almost like 16 17 year old and that that those two three years make a difference voices and changing and things like that and attitudes changing and and these ninja turtles felt sort of like awkward a little bit like like kids except for the fact that they know ninjutsu and stuff their dialogue was sharp and snappy and funny and like it was genuinely funny you know whereas the first movie they you could tell they're kind of being played by 20 year olds and, and things like that but yeah.
3: <laughs> i will say i do have uh, some slight things where i'm gonna pick out a little bit because I, I do agree this is one of the first times they felt like teenagers like mikey yeah. had braces yeah how awesome was that how did splinter get uh get braces down there and the way they interacted each character was different to the point where uh when you get to the scene where the turtles are going to the school and have their masks off you could all tell which turtle was which the, those characters are so well defined the voice actors did such a great job the dialogue though and this is where I, I think the movie tries to go two different ways at the same time the dialogue was very like right now teen dialogue yeah. Like at one point they're talking about Riz, and I'm not supposed to know what Riz is. I'm very old. <laughs> but, <laughs> but on that same note, all the music they pulled, and like we're all old guys, and we're like, remember when they played No Diggity? That was great. They mentioned the Ninja Rap. All that stuff is awesome. You know, how old those songs are. Yeah. yeah. And it's a, it's a problem that's happened with comic books, where comic books at a certain point, I'd say probably around the year 2000 stop being aimed at 13 and 14 year old kids and started being aimed at 20, 30, 40 somethings. And I feel like this tries to thread that needle, but at the same time and trying to, to serve both masters, it really doesn't land with either. Really?
0: Cause here I was at least with the music part, you know, one of the great things about either this movie or the guardians of the galaxy movies, they're, like these are introducing my kids to certain songs that like they would have absolutely no clue to even check out i saw kids again a tribe called quest is playing that's one of my favorite songs is can i kick it and i saw kids bebopping out of that theater going can i kick it yes you can and, I, and i'm just glad that like these movies are opening up the eyes to some kids with with like the good musics now, again, the music's I like to listen to. You know what I mean? Good I,
3: I just, I, yeah, You have the characters referencing uh, BTS and you know stuff like that, but the soundtrack's old stuff for old farts
0: they know who's coming to this theater it's going to be parents bringing kids and so they got to they they do have to serve both masters i don't see a problem with it so i'm Mm. gonna poo poo on that little nitpick i will say there were a couple other things that i thought people that are longtime teenage mutant turtle fans would nitpick in this because there are some deviations from the general established mythology of teenage mutant turtles which i think are elephants in the room and like any good podcast, we should talk about them. First and foremost, the fact that there was no real mention of the Foot Clan, nor was there any mention of Splinter knowing ninjutsu before he got a bunch of tapes and watched it because he wanted to teach himself self defense.
1: Yeah. You guys, did you go, huh? Did you scratch your heads? What do you what do you think? I honestly could not could not care less. I, I don't I don't I don't care. I thought it was actually funnier. Than the original one of the complaints that always happens with Ninja Turtles media crossing over into something that's that's kind of kid related um, that these these old school comic book guys come in and complain about is they're they're like the comic was an ultra violent blah, blah, blah. Comic. And no, it wasn't. It was not. It's like tell me you've never read Ninja Turtles without telling me you've never read Ninja Turtles. The original comics weren't ultra violent or anything like or or super dark or anything like that. They were more so than the than the cartoon. Yeah, they
3: definitely weren't the cartoon.
1: Yeah, they were more than the cartoon was and everything like that. But I, I don't think they were they were much different. I don't care about any of that stuff. I think they made things more interesting, if any. I thought April was definitely more interesting. You know, April's a huge deviation from the comics, but they changed April really f- for the 90s cartoon, too. You know, she's not exactly what she was from the comics either. Well, I was going to say that I did
3: like with April that, you know, they made her a teenager, so that relationship is a little bit more, I don't want to say appropriate, but it, it seems more natural. Yeah. that April would uh, you know, connect with the Ninja Turtles and vice versa. For me, the biggest thing happened two months ago when the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles toys started hitting the shelves. And I'm like, all right, Superfly, there's Bebop, there's Right. Where's the Shredder? Yeah. What do you mean there's no Shredder? Now, mm-hmm. every change they made in the movie, uh, except for one that I'll get to, uh, I enjoyed. I thought every scene with Splinter, like Jackie Chan stole the show. He's
1: hilarious.
3: Oh, my God. He's so funny. And didn't you notice, like, how in his big
0: fight sequence, they basically took Jackie Chan movies, like, getting on, like, office chairs and wheeling around and pushing off things and that kind of slapstick martial arts drunken master kind of stuff? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought that was pitch perfect.
3: Go on, Chad. But, yeah, no, I was shocked that there was no Shredder because I, I really wanted that Shredder toy, too. But, like... You get a Turtles reboot every four to 10 years anyway. Yeah. So you might as well mix it up, bring something fresh to the table. Shredder in the original comics was dead by like the first first issue. issue. Yeah, I think it was the first
0: issue. Yeah. Yeah. A couple other things I think, you know, might be sticking points for some folks. A little bit elephants in the room. Donatello, not so tech savvy as he is. He's not really the quote unquote inventor. As he is in other, other parts, I actually didn't have a problem with that because he yeah. still seemed like... They gave him the glasses, he was still kind of like the nerd turtle, unfortunately. Yeah, I
3: they took out a lot of their personalities. Like, Raph still had those rage issues, and Leonardo still wanted to be the leader. But it, it wasn't as amped up as it was when it was a cartoon aimed at six-year-olds.
1: As a Mikey, I'm really glad... That Michelangelo wasn't like, what up? You know, because he's a surf, he's a Malibu surfer kid in Manhattan. And it just doesn't, it doesn't, (laughs) it never flew with me. It was never, it was never funny. I never appreciated it. A
0: couple other ones. Fact that Bebop and Rocksteady, they they are kind of bad guys, but they're not really bad guys. Just because they're
3: bad guys doesn't mean they're bad guys. Bad guys, that's right. (laughs) Doesn't mean they're
0: bad guys. Glad, I'm glad you brought it up. No sly references to Daredevil. That's okay. Nobody gets hit with, like, a, a, a thing of ooze in the face and then yeah. goes into... You Best are, time in the sequels. I'm sure they'll <laughs> <will> circle back. <laughs> no mousers. No mousers from Baxter Stockman. I was a little... Mm. He did invent the mutagen, but, like, come on. Throw a little mouser on a table there. He was puttering around with that, too. I always love the mousers. I think the mousers have such a good look. So, like, I would love just mousers and everything, honestly. (laughs) That is a fun design. It is. It's one of the best robot designs out there, honestly. It's so cool. You
3: didn't didn't bring up Paul Rudd as Mondo Gecko. Mondo (laughs) Gecko,
0: yeah.
3: Yeah, Yeah, he filled more the
0: the Michelangelo role than Michelangelo. He was more of the the skateboarding. Yeah. Yeah. Totally tubular, dude. Um, yeah, yeah. I uh, I like this movie, so I, I <laughs> don't have any. I don't have any gripes now. Chad, you did mention
3: you had a gripe though, so I, I do have a gripe. So I thought that the overall story was just so simplistic. Yeah, if you yeah, gave a chef yeah, great yeah. ingredients, and they're taking these wonderful characters, they're taking this awesome animation style, they're taking all this weird and gross stuff. And instead of making some masterpiece dinner, they're like, here's your burger. You get ketchup and mustard on this burger. Like that left me a little bit lacking to the point where we were talking about two other big animated movies uh, across the Spider-Verse and the Mitchells versus the machines. If I were to rank these movies, uh, I would put turtles at the bottom of the list. Now, with that said, those other two movies are great movies. And so I definitely enjoyed this. But I think that the overly simplistic plotline really took what something that could have been great. It could have been a masterpiece, and just made it okay. Like I, I watched this with my kiddo, and both of us walked out of it being like, "Yeah, oh, what'd you think? Do you like it?" It's like, "Yeah, I liked it. Did you like it? Yeah. Any any favorite parts or anything? No. Oh uh, wow. Like." There was no resonance here. I could, I could, I, can't
0: disagree more with you, Chad. Honestly, I, I think that it, it actually benefited from the fact that it was simplistic. Because honestly, how many times have we been in movies nowadays where they're comic book related, and they try to throw everything in the kitchen sink in those freaking movies? They really do. They try. And so, therefore, it, it gets very convoluted very fast. You start losing the attention, and then you have to increase the runtime. Because you've got so many plots that you'd have to try to resolve. This is an hour and 40 minutes, I think. That's a Saturday morning plot. And unlike the Saturday morning adventures that we read earlier in this show, you know what this was great about? You actually got more mutants. You got fun mutants. Well, it you was got mutant what makes the teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles okay. great. <laughs> what makes them colorful and different. You got a rat kissing a mutated cockroach. Like, yeah. it just... If I'm going to get all that plus good characterization and, you know, a a giant kaiju monster, I I can take a simplistic
3: supervillain plot. I mean, it's not like it's the Paw Patrol for God's sake. Yeah, Yeah. but when you look at Spider-Man, when you look at Mitchells versus the machines, what does this bring new to the table?
1: That I I agree there. It's not it's not it's not rocket science. I mean, you guys you guys talk a lot about runtime. See, I'm, I'm the opposite from you guys. If I'm going to go and see a movie and pay how much movies cost now, I want it to be long. Mm -hmm. I like long (laughs) movies. I've never had a problem with it. I I don't know why it's suddenly a thing. Maybe it's because we're so used to sound clips and things like that. But there, I mean, you know, a a, a two and a half hour movie or something used to be like nothing. Like, you know, uh, it it used to be four hours. It used to be
0: something. I mean i remember back in the day most movies were like 90 minutes and you were out like that was, but yeah. long story short let's get to our ratings of mutant mayhem we're going to go ahead to chad with our rating scale since ja is absent. Uh, right. so so chad
3: what are we rating mutant mayhem oh man if JA were here he'd have a better one but i'm going to go with the uh, colorful masks <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one uh, that works that works just fine i do like the fact that they
0: were able to take them off like they weren't like just stapled to their head like most of the teenage mutant ninja turtle yeah. other movies yeah. like they they aren't part of their skin they're just a piece of fabric they should take them off more often but, yeah <laughs> uh we'll
1: start off with mikey Oh, it's a four, man. It's a, that, that 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 movie was so pleasant. Like the touching moments were actually genuinely touching and, and things like that. I like even though, yeah, like the overall plot is just your kind of standard superhero cartoon movie plot. But sort of like the smaller moments and stuff in there, like like in the very beginning when they're walking back to the their home and I can't remember which one it is, kinda of pauses and just takes a last glimpse at the city, uh, because they want to be a part of this. They've stuck in this sore for so long and um and i and i want all four baby turtles <laughs> One, of them's a, one of them's a chub, which one's the fat one of them's a chubster and i love raf
3: is the chunk is
1: boy. it raf yeah
3: okay
0: yeah he's the big yeah. boy he's the big boy
1: all right
3: uh chad like i said i ran down all the things this movie did that worked i thought it was a great coming of age teen movie i will dig it for that plot though and i had super high expectations for this because that that commercial with the can we kick it Like, man, did that set the bar really high for this movie. So I thought it was good. I said it it was lots of fun. I don't know how much I'm going to remember it. Like, I feel like I saw it a couple of days ago, and and a lot of it's already gone. But I enjoyed my time while I was there. So I will say 3.75 colorful masks. Well, I'm going to go with Mikey and give this
0: a good old 4... Colorful masks. All four turtles are showing up with their masks. As as I mentioned earlier in the show, I'm not a huge Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan. In fact, a lot of the bloom has come off of the rose of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for me. Uh,
3: They've milked it. it, It's
0: something. It's just too much milking. It's not unlike He Man and the Masters of the Universe or G.I. Joe or Transformers or any of these other licensed properties of my youth. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came in at a weird time where I was transitioning. Away from kitty stuff, and so therefore, some of those older things are still equated with kitty stuff. This was equated with kitty stuff, but in a good way. Kitty stuff as somebody that's a dad and is looking back on not only his, you know, own childhood and teenage years and the rough times that I would have, um, you know, in acceptance and finding your place and wanting to be a part of that bigger world, but also my kids going through that uh, currently so for me it really did hit me where i live in, in a lot of ways and i and i will say this from the terms of the plot uh one other thing that i wanted to kind of mention was there were some deeper themes i want to say here uh if you think about the characters of splinter and superfly or whatever uh it is the uh classic story of what happens sometimes with folks when they're marginalized by the rest of society They're somehow they, they, they rise above that. And, and then and, and like, the, I guess the kind of splinter character in this, or they become radicalized, which is what happened with the, uh, you know, Superfly, in which they want revenge on all those that treated them poorly. And, and so I think there's some thoughts to that. And so I thought the character development of splinter, especially was, was kind of deep. And I really liked that claim patient style. Oh, boy. That yeah, that, that cool. whole animation. Stuff, if I didn't gush about it, I'm going to gush about it again. The funny thing was, after leaving the movie with my kids, the first thing that Jacob said was, like, where does this come in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles continuity? <laughs> does, does the cartoon show come immediately after that? Is that why they're in... Co- and I'm like, you remember that movie with all the different Spider-Mans? That's kind of, like, what's going on. You can we, just look yeah. at these reboots as, like, their own separate universes.
1: You these, tell us... You tell him Mikey Wood tells says not to worry about continuity because c- continuity ruins everything.
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> tell him Chad says you'll get your continuity, kids. Yeah. Uh, so there's going to be a TV show that fills in the gap until we get to the next movie. So. The kids will get their continuity, don't worry. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to definitely be watching that show for
0: sure with my kiddies, mm. And we hope that you're back to watch or listen. Well, it's more listen. You can't really watch us very much. But in any case, to more Last Comic Shop next week, we're going to be having a fantastic interview with a bunch of folks from Three Rivers Com that we uh, went mm. to uh, earlier this summer. So P. Craig Russell and Michael T. Gilbert and uh, Pat o- Olive. Uh, all will be on next week's show So make sure that you're sticking around For these great interviews From great comic book creators Until next week I was the host with the most And I was joined by Chad Smith And Mikey Wood and James uh, And we hope that you stay safe Stay mutated And remember That if I had a loaf of bread I would be the host with the toast
3: right, uh... Yeah, That doesn't even make sense I quit. don't Bread and toast are different. If you had a loaf I, of bread, you'd have a loaf of bread.
1: It's not it's toast not- until you toast it. Yeah. Oh my god. God damn it, Andrew!
3: 2023 Black Anders
0: production.